This is my tribe. 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 tribe. What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. What's up, everyone? How are you doing? Zach, Cade, Adrian. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad that you are here. You braved the 12-degree weather outside to come to church, and I appreciate it. So what? What? Am I used to it? It's not like we didn't have cold weather in Alabama. It was not this cold, though. Exactly. The solution to cold weather is to stay inside. So I'm glad you came to church, because that's what I've been doing since it's been cold. Like, it's so cold, you walk outside. I know you grew up here, but, like, my legs felt like they were going to fall off. They're so cold. Um, But you guys are the cream of the crop. You guys got in your cars or called your parents, called your friends, and you guys came to church. How many of you guys are here tonight because someone invited you to church? Awesome. So we're going to talk about inviting people to do things tonight. So I'm glad that each of you that just raised your hands are here. So I think it's great to be invited to things, whether it's a birthday party or to go shopping with friends, or maybe it's inviting someone inviting you to go get coffee or Buffalo Wild Wings. There's different reasons why we invite people to do things in our lives. And if you're anything like me, you appreciate the effort that people put into inviting you to do something. Now, I know that Goreville just had their homecoming. Um, yeah, you're excited about that. Y'all survived. You're here. Um, I don't know if I think students still do this, because I think Vincent did this when Marion had their homecoming last semester. The guys come up with this big, elaborate, like, homecoming proposal thing, like, I'm going to get a marching band and a dog that can talk. They don't do that anymore. Oh. Your mom did it for you, Vincent. (laughs) Well, when I was in high school, it was a big deal. You did all of this elaborate stuff, and the question at the end of it was, Would you go to prom with me? Would you go to homecoming with me? And the thing was, we spent a lot of effort and energy inviting someone to do something. And if you're like me, you might appreciate when someone puts a lot of effort into doing something. But I want you to think through the last time that you told someone yes to an invitation that they gave you to come do something with them. Why did you say yes? Why did you make the decision to attend the event or to take the invitation that you did? Did you say yes because you thought you were going to enjoy yourself and you were going to have a good time? Did you say yes because you absolutely had nothing else to do? Did you say yes because you were simply curious? So 
Maybe it was a new movie, maybe a new store opened and someone invited you to go with them so you were curious. Or you might fall into this category. You didn't say yes, but you probably said maybe because you're not going to commit to saying yes because something better might come along. Anyone ever done that? Your friends ask you to do something, you're like, I might be able to do that. And what you're really thinking is, if I get a better offer, I'm going to take the better offer and tell you, sorry, I'm busy. And so I know I fall into that trap sometimes, and I know that you guys fall into that trap as well. So there's probably a dozen reasons why you've said yes to an invitation in your life. But I think the most common reason we say yes to an invitation is because of the person or who is asking us. So we base a lot of our decisions on who's asking us the question. Who's asking us to go get B-dubs? Who's asking us to go to Starbucks? Is it a friend or a teammate? Do you actually care about how they feel about you? Why does that person matter? On the other hand, some of you don't like certain people that you hang out with, but you think they're popular, and you say yes to their invitation. They can invite you to watch paint dry on a wall, and you would say yes because you're in the room with a cool person. I know that doesn't apply to anyone in this room. And all of us know that when it comes to an invitation, the who can be far more important than the what. So who is inviting you to do something? Now, when I was in high school, I told you the story about the swimming pool incident. Um, It was that same group of friends that no matter what we were doing, if they invited me to do it, I would do it. The who the friends that I enjoyed hanging out with, was way more important than what we were doing. So in that situation, if we were just hanging out in someone's basement, literally doing nothing, we got enjoyment out of hanging out with each other. So this idea is important because as Christians, we hear from Pastor Michael on Sundays and our parents tell us, and we read in the Bible that Christians are supposed to do a lot of inviting. We're supposed to invite our friends to church. We're supposed to invite our friends to tribe night. We're supposed to invite our friends to our tribe groups. We're supposed to invite our friends to be better followers of Jesus. The tricky part is that inviting people to follow Jesus or to chase after Jesus is not always as simple as we like to think that it is. You see, for most of us, we're afraid when it comes to inviting people to Jesus, and we're afraid that we won't know what to say. Or maybe you're afraid that you won't have all the answers. Or maybe you won't know what to do if the conversation ends up about faith. And I've been exactly in that position before, where I'm talking to a friend about coming to church, and they're like, why is this important? And I'm like, "Mm, because my mom said I should go to church and you should too not really a good argument when you're trying to convince someone to do something with you. Now, for years and years and years, Christians have done crazy things to try to get people to come to church. One of those things is, I don't know if you've ever driven through the state of Alabama on your way to the beach or on your way back, but you would see this sign here. It says, go to church or the devil will get you. Like, that's a real sign in the state of Alabama on your way to the beach. Go to church or the devil will get you. 
You see, Christians sometimes buy billboards, we put bumper stickers on our cars, we give out these gospel tracts that says, turn or burn, or maybe we put invitations on shoes or bracelets or breath mints or we take fake $100 bills and give them to people and they think they got real money and then when they look at it, it's the gospel. It's like we tricked you into reading about Jesus. Now, I don't know, and I can't say for sure, but I know every time as a Christian that I drive past this sign, go to the church or the devil will get you, it doesn't make me want to go to church. It actually just makes me laugh because it's in the middle of nowhere in Alabama on the way to the beach. Go to church or the devil will get you. So if you learn anything tonight, that's what we're learning, and I'm just going to pray, and we'll, I'm just kidding. We're not going to be done on that. So go to church or the devil will get you. So although our intentions are good, like the person that put this sign up, their intentions were really good. I think their intentions were to get people to go to church. The scary part is it kind of looks like the devil's playing hockey. Um, or he has one of those like, I don't, what do you call that? Weed, not weed whacker. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. A what? A psych. Uh, yeah, I don't farm. One of those things. And you see, if we want people to say yes to an invitation to follow Jesus, then we need to be the type of people that others will say yes to. We need to be the type of people that others will say yes to. When you read the Gospels, we're going to read tonight out of the book of John. So a couple weeks ago, we learned that John was one of the oldest disciples of Jesus. John took time when he was done following Jesus after Jesus was gone, and he wrote down all of these stories that he remembered from his time with Jesus. So John literally walked with Jesus, heard Jesus talk, experienced Jesus, and then took all of those experiences and wrote it down in this book. So as we read the Gospels, a phrase comes up over and over again. When people try to describe how great Jesus was and how amazing his teachings were and how incredible his actions were, they found themselves struggling to explain it so well. And what they ended up saying was, come and see, come and see. You just have to come and see. Like, I can't explain this Jesus guy. You just have to come and see. So John would say it, Mark would say it, Luke said it, and Matthew said it. Just come and see. I can't tell you everything you need to know, and I don't have the answers to your questions. You just have to come and see. So I was talking with the leaders before we came in here, and I said, I'm racking my brain trying to think of an example to tell you about something that you should just come and see, come and see. And the only thing that kept popping in my head was Chick-fil-A. And I don't know if it's because it's Sunday or if it's because we're in the middle of a fast, but Chick-fil-A kept popping in my head. Like, Chick-fil-A has great customer service. And if you've ever met someone that has never eaten a Chick-fil-A and you try to explain it to them, they're like, well, everyone has customer service. You're like, no, you just have to come and see. You have to come and see. But then the leaders reminded me of, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the beauty that makes up Southern Illinois, the great places that are around us. And you can't really explain, I don't know how many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon, but it's really hard to explain the feelings you get looking at the Grand Canyon to someone, usually you just have to tell them to come and see, come and see. And so that's where we pick up in the story. And Jesus is inviting his disciples, in this instance, John, to invite people to come and see. 
And so John went and he invited Philip. And Philip is what we're going to read about today. Jesus invited Philip to follow him. And Philip experienced Jesus. And Philip loved what he experienced so much that he went to this guy named Nathaniel and told Nathaniel, hey, you need to come and experience this Jesus guy. You need to come and see. Let me see. Um, how many of you guys have not eaten anything today? If I raise a hand. How many of you guys have not eaten any candy today? Anyone not eaten any candy today? Um, Cade, come up here real quick. So I don't know why you haven't eaten any candy today, Cade. Just, you just hadn't had any candy? Come on this side. Cade's kind of walking like an old man. You're sore. Is that why you haven't had candy today, Kate? No. no. Kate, have you ever had a Kit Kat? Yes. You have had a Kit Kat. Um, let me explain a Kit Kat to you. Like, a Kit Kat has this, like, um, chocolate. Chocolate. Kit Kats have chocolate in it, right? And on the outside, on the inside of a Kit Kat, have you ever experienced the inside of a Kit Kat? Yes. It's a wafer. Like, on the inside of a Kit Kat is a wafer. Um, Kit Kats come in different flavors. Did you know that? Like, they have dark chocolate Kit Kats. They have white chocolate Kit Kats. They have mint and chocolate Kit Kats, like mint on the top, green mint. Like, it's amazing. Like, Kit Kats are probably one of my favorite candies. Um, when was the last time you ate a Kit Kat? You did, a couple weeks ago. Now, here's a real question. Have you ever had a big Kit Kat? Like, one of the big Kit Kats? Like, it's bigger than the normal Kit Kats. You've never had, like, how many of you guys have ever had a big Kit Kat? Like, I love the big Kit Kats better than the normal Kit Kats because it has more chocolate in it. It has more wafers in it. Um, so what I could do is continue to explain what a big Kit Kat to Kate is. And Kate's kind of like, I don't know where you're going with this. Or I could just give Kate a Kit Kat. Which would you prefer, Kate? Give you the Kit Kat. So, Kate, this is a big Kit Kat. Like, it's bigger than a normal Kit Kat. Like, you see that, right? Like, it's bigger than a normal Kit Kat. Um, you could actually share it with your friends. You could break it in three parts, or you can be selfish and eat it all yourself. Um, probably what you'll do. Um, but I want you to experience this Kit Kat, so I'm going to give it to you. You're welcome. Let's give Kate a round of applause. So sometimes it's better to experience something than trying to explain it. So let's read what Philip says to Nathaniel in John 1, 45-46. And it says this, Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and then whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything come from there? Nathaniel asked. And Philip responded, come and see, come and see. In other words, Philip wasn't able to explain everything he had seen or heard. So instead, what he said to Nathaniel is, I can't explain it to you. You just have to come and see it. You have to come and see Jesus for yourself. You see, when it comes to Jesus, experiencing is more effective than explaining. You see, something unique is happening here and seeing and hearing Jesus. Nathaniel 
is being invited to see and hear Jesus, not just read about him, not just be told about him. Being in the presence of Jesus will simply change everything for Nathaniel, and others had to come and see it for themselves. So do you know what Nathaniel does? The passage goes on to tell us that Nathaniel says yes. And I like to believe that the reason that Nathaniel said yes was because of the way that Philip lived his life. Philip lived his life in a way that Nathaniel trusted him, that maybe Philip had a radical life change and Nathaniel saw that, so he wanted to be part of what was happening in that situation. In other words, the best way to influence others is to say yes to your invitations to chase after Jesus, is to live in a way that other people want to chase what you're chasing. So do you people see your life and think that they want to be more like you? Do people see your life and when they see your life, do they see Jesus in your life? One of the things that I've been told over and over and over again since I moved here um, by a lot of people in this room and a lot of people not in this room, students, is that one reason that they don't like coming to church, so when it was Surge or when it's Tribe Night, one reason they don't like coming is because the people in this room that claim to be Christians don't talk to them at school. The very people that is worshiping God, that are praying and reading their Bibles are too cool for them when they get to school. So if we were to flip this back to Philip and Nathaniel, do people consider you trustworthy? Are you walking in a way, not just at church to check a box off your list, but at school to where the people in the hallway know that you're a Christian? And it's not just this separation of, I went to church today, I've checked this box, and now I'm going to go to school, and I'm not going to talk to church people at school because they might not be the most popular. They might not be the most athletic. They might not be the most whatever you want to fill in the blank with. Do you look out for people? Do you treat people with respect even when they don't respect you? Do you treat people so well that they feel better just hanging out with you? You see, those are the sort of things that make people curious about why you're different. It one of the most famous sermons Jesus ever preached was in Matthew chapter 5. And in this chapter, he tells us that we are the light of the world and that we should be salt. And one thing I love about salt is salt flavors things. Salt makes things better. Salt also preserves things and makes things last longer. Um, does anyone know what makes Doritos delicious? Salt. Does anyone know the secret ingredient to making a cookie delicious? Salt. Salt. <laughs> you can't have cookies without flour. That is true. But if you put a pinch of salt in your chocolate chip cookies, they taste a world of difference. You see, even just a little bit of salt can make something better. And that's essentially what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 5, that if we are salt in the world, our schools will be better, our community will be better, this family that we call tribe would be better, and that because of that, people would want to be a part of what's happening in this room and in this church. You see, if you're a Christian, every environment you're in should be better because you're there. Whether it's on the sports field or on the basketball court, or maybe you're doing cheer or you're a dancer or you're on the chess team or the bowling team, whatever you're doing, 
It should be better because you're there if you're a Christian. It should be better because you're there if you're a Christian. Why? Because you carry the spirit of Jesus with you. He makes you better, and you make the world around you better. That's just how it works. So he makes you better, and you make the world around you better. But not only that, there should also be a noticeable absence when you're not there. People should notice when Christians are not involved in something because we should make things better. We should make the environments in our school hallways better. We should make our sports teams better because we should be pointing all of those people back to Jesus and not back to ourselves or not back to things that don't bring him glory. And maybe that sounds ridiculous, but this is what Jesus was talking about when he said we were the salt of the earth. It's what Jesus did in the environments. It's what he did when he sat down with tax collectors. It's what he did when he hung out with people that weren't popular. It's what he did when he hung out with people that everyone else was gossiping about. He made them better. People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus because how he treated them. And we should be the same way. People should like us because of the way that we treat them, and we should treat them how Jesus treated us, by serving them, by loving them unconditionally, and by doing everything that we can to point them back to Jesus. So let me ask you this. Based on how you're living your life, if you were to go to school and invite your friends that you hang out at school, not your friends that you hang out with at church, would they come to church with you? Don't answer the question. Just think about it. Is the life that you're living at school with your friends trustworthy, credible, and reliable? Because the truth is, if we want to invite others to live with Jesus, we have to actually live like Jesus. So I'm going to invite Lane up here real quick. Let's give Lane a big round of applause. So this is Lane. If you haven't met him, he's a pretty cool guy. Um, Lane, I've known you since the end of October. Um, Lane, you started coming here when? The end of October. Um, it's all the answers to the end of October. I told Lane he was not going to have to talk, and now I'm making him talk. Um, the reason I brought Lane on stage is because Lane lives out what we are talking about. So Lane goes to Vianna High School. Um, Lane got saved last year in October, and God radically changed his life like radically changed his life. I talked to one of Lane's teachers this past week, and she bragged about how much Lane's life changed. And we're not going to let this go to Lane's head. Lane, don't get a big ego about this and don't get prideful. But the teachers in Lane's school said that the school is different because Lane is following Jesus. The basketball team is different because Lane is following Jesus. Um, Lane got saved at the end of October. Um, I noticed somewhere in November that Lane had been missing tribe night because basketball started back. I shot him an Instagram message because we said at the very beginning when we started all of this that we will notice when you are missing and we will reach out for you. So I did that, um, and Lane sent back a very interesting message. He said, hey, sorry, I was at basketball practice. Basketball season started his sister's cheer, um, 
and life is crazy. Plus, they live 35 minutes away. Um, but he said, hey, I've been reading the Bible things that y'all are putting online. I've been following the posts that you've been doing, um, and I've just been trying to stay connected even though I'm not there. I was like, huh, interesting, because um, you're a junior. When I was a junior, that would have not been my response. I would have been like, hey, dude, thanks for reaching out. I'm busy. Thanks. Keep moving. Um, but that's not what Lane said. And then Lane sent another message. It was like, hey, I need help showing my friends what it looks like to follow Jesus. Because something happened in Lane's life in October, and he took it very seriously. So in October, we started talking about what it would look like if you went into your schools and your communities and changed them for Jesus. So then we went into this series called Real Friends. How many of you remember that series? We talked about what it looks like to be real friends, your outer circle, your middle circle, your inner circle. So when Lane decided to follow Jesus, his life looked radically different, which means all of his friends before Jesus stopped hanging out with him. Because Lane wasn't doing the stuff they were doing anymore. Lane wasn't using the language they were using anymore. Lane wasn't cool enough for them to hang out with anymore. And Lane was trying to figure out, how do I, in this new walk with Jesus, point those people that don't want to hang out with me back to him, but also get encouragement with a new group of friends? And it's a week, almost a week hasn't passed where Lane has not brought at least two to three people from Vianna to church with him. And because of the way that he's living his life, his school is radically changing. His community is radically changing. This morning, I think his entire family, plus his aunt and uncle and their aunts and uncle, like there's a whole section from Vianna that comes on Sunday morning because Lane got saved in October and decided, I'm going to be serious about this. I want it to look, I want my life, when people look at me, I want them to see Jesus. Now, one thing that Lane will tell you is that he doesn't always get things right. Is that right? So just like all of us, Lane struggles, Lane fails, and Lane falls short. But just like all of us, God will extend his grace. And if you just ask him, hey, I messed up today. Hey, God, I'm sorry I did something wrong today he'll pick you back up. So Lane, I brought you up here to say, I'm glad that you are living out what we're talking about tonight. I'm glad that you are taking time and putting yourself in very uncomfortable situations to invite your friends to come to church, to invite your parents to come to church. The things that are happening in your community and in your life are amazing, and I'm very proud of you. So let's give Lane a round of applause. So like I said, and like Lane has experienced, sharing your faith and inviting others to be a part of what God is doing can be scary. But chasing Jesus means sharing him with them. In order to share them with him, your life has to be something worth following. So the band can go ahead and come back up as we wrap up. Because you see, part of growing in our faith is living in a way that invites others into the bigger story of Jesus. And this sounds a little countercultural, but our life is not just about what we do and what we get out of this life. Our entire life and our entire purpose on this earth is to follow Jesus and to bring him glory, to point people back to Jesus. I can tell you this. 
if Lane hadn't radically changed his life and Lane went to his friends and was like, hey, I want you to come to church with me. And Lane was cussing and Lane was drinking. I'm not saying Lane did any of this stuff, but if he were doing that kind of stuff and Lane was disrespectful to women, if Lane was a horrible, uh, had horrible sportsmanship on the basketball court and on the track um, field, his friends would be like, why would I go to church with you? You're no different than everyone else that's in this school. So that's my challenge to you this week, is to evaluate the way that you're living your life. Is your life going to point people to Jesus or point them away from him? Are the things that you're doing in your life worth following? Know that we're not always going to get it right. I can't tell you how many times today alone I messed up. I know that some of you in this room, you would be there with me. You've messed up over and over and over again. Um, and one of the cool moments that Lane and I had and why it's very important for you to find a tribe group and to get plugged in with a group of people that could help you follow Jesus better. We were talking last week and he was like, hey, I feel like I'm struggling here. I want to point people to Jesus and I want to live like Jesus, but it's not always easy. What do I do? And I told him, hey, I get it. I struggle every single day. It's not anything that's new. It's not anything that's different. Once you follow Jesus, it doesn't mean that your life completely changes. But what it does mean is that you have to surround yourself with people that will encourage you and push you to become a better person. So if you guys will stand with me. Bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want you to think about that for a second. If people were to look at your life, would you be pointing them to chase Jesus or pointing them away from Jesus? Just by the actions that you do, the words that you say, the things that you Snapchat, are you pointing people to Jesus or away from Jesus? The way that you treat people in the hallways, the way that you talk back to your teachers. All of it is writing and telling a story about how you truly feel about this thing we call a faith journey with Jesus. So my challenge to you this week is to shift something. That if we're going to invite people to come and see that we have to displace something that's worth following. So let me pray for you. God, I thank you for everything that you're doing for us. God, I thank you for Lane and his example that he's been to all of us here of what it looks like to follow you. And though all of us at times will stumble and fall, you're there to pick us back up. I pray that as this week goes on, as this night goes on, um, that we'll just evaluate what we're doing, we'll evaluate what we're saying, the way that we're treating people, with our actions and our words to see if they're pointing people to chase after you or ultimately pointing people away from you. I pray that you help us realize that the only way we can invite people to come and see the goodness that you have for us, the life change that we're seeing, is that if our lives reflect that, if our lives are worth following, help us to die to ourselves every day so that we can truly say, follow me, as I follow Christ.
And I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.